Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Hello to all of you cannabis aficionados and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Right now, most of our attention has been on COVID-19. And as of today, there are 2 million plus cases in the United States and approximately 112,000 deaths. It is certainly frightening, but we can't let down our guard, that's for sure. But folks, there's another frightening health issue affecting the United States, and that's opiate addiction. And according to the CDC, the latest number of opiate deaths is approximately 47,000. And the crisis affects every demographic group, but really none so heavily as our our military veterans who are, are actually twice as likely to die from an opiate overdose than civilians. Our military veterans also happen to suffer from chronic pain and post-traumatic stress syndrome, which is called PTSD. And it causes them, unfortunately, to self-medicate with drugs and alcohol, and sometimes with drugs that are, shall we say, really illegal. Today on High Society, we're going to be talking to Brian Buckley. He's a former member of the U.S. Special Ops which is called Marine Raiders, and I've never heard of them, but it sounds like it's a very cool place to be. And he's also, with his two associates, founders of Helmand Valley Growers. It's a company that's based in San Diego where they grow cannabis, and they have their products now in eight dispensaries. And what's even more interesting is Helmet Valley Growers donates all of its profits to the Battle Brothers Foundation, and we're going to learn more about that. It's a nonprofit organization. And so I'd like to welcome Brian. Hello, Brian. Hi, welcome to you? High Good and welcome to High Society. Okay. So tell us about your, your military experience. What exactly did you do at Marine Raiders, which I understand I've learned is an elite, an elite branch of the Marine Corps, Corps, not Corps. And where were you? Were you located? Were you Camp Pendleton or Camp Lejeune? Now, I know Camp Pendleton because I used to go by there a lot of times. So tell us what you did. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first, great to be on the show, and I really appreciate you having us on today. Um, yeah, I started off a really kind of background with my military history uh, really um, got into it after the events of 9-11. Um, I was currently playing football at the University of Massachusetts. Um, after that day, I uh, finished out the season, informed my coaches of my intention to uh, stop playing football and to join the military. And uh, after the spring semester, I transferred to uh, Villanova University, where I went into the ROTC program. Uh, upon graduation, I was commissioned into the uh, United States Marine Corps. Uh, spent uh, about a year in the infantry, uh, deployed to Iraq. When I came back, they asked me to try out for Marine reconnaissance, uh, made that, and I was rewarded with uh, another trip back to Iraq about six months later. <laughs> and uh, when I returned from that, they, they talked to me about joining a Marine Special Operations Command or Marine Raiders. Uh, so I trained for that for about six months and then went to selection and was uh, picked after the end of the tryout to uh, 
uh, joined the, the unit and uh, served as a team commander uh, the rest of my military career, uh, both at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina and as well as uh, Camp Pendleton. And from there, uh, did a lot of trips around the uh, different parts of the, of the globe, uh, along with uh, Afghan, in particular, the Helmand province. How interesting. Well, I'm happy that you're here and alive and you look terrific. And I wish our, our listeners could see what a cool looking guy you are. And you got on a hat, I see, that's called Battle Brothers, right? That's so we'll right. be talking about that. So I want to ask you, um, how does your experience in, in, in special ops form your experiences as being an entrepreneur? How did that all come about? And of course, with your other two uh, buddies. Yeah, no, that, that is a great question. Um, you know, it, it was really interesting when I was transitioning out of the military and I was looking for, uh, you know, about to transition to the private sector. A lot of people said, you know, what you learned out there in the battlefield, they can't teach that at Harvard School of Business. Um, they're like, you guys have a certain amount of advantage you guys probably don't realize where you're making decisions with literally uh, bullets flying over your head. Um, and what was interesting, like with special ops is, it's not going to be very cookie cutter. Uh, we're going to get a lot of problem sets that no one really knows the answer to. And we somehow on the ground will have to figure it out. And it's actually not as chaotic as you think. It's just a lot of critical thinking and, you know, uh, the term thinking outside the box to solve these problem sets. And I think that's really helped out with uh, being an, an entrepreneur and being in this cannabis community because of really, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's not going to be some clear path. You just go down this and you're going to be successful. Um, I always tell people, you know, be passionate about the mission, but don't fall in love with the plan. You have to be ready to pivot and pivot and pivot. And especially in the cannabis community where, you know, you're playing a game as they're making up the rules as you go along. I mean, things just change and you got to be able to adjust really quickly to it. But I think really just like as a, you know, if you would ask me in the beginning of my special ops career, what I think I'd be in cannabis and doing all this stuff, I would have kind of looked at you like you were crazy. But in some weird way, I mean, I think that world and that community really prepared us to get into not just entrepreneurship, but into an austere environment that is the cannabis community right now. So when did you start the company? How many years ago? Yeah, so I would say conceptually, we started putting everything together back in 2016. Um, the first start was Battle Brothers Foundation. Um, we just started noticing what was going on with the veterans with the uh, opioid and suicide epidemic and really wanted to try to like look at ways that we could help out veterans transitioning out of the military. There's a lot of great nonprofits that focus on active duty members. But then when you leave the military, it's kind of, hey, thanks for your service and uh, out the gate you go, never to be seen again type of thing. So we, we made a very simple kind of strategy. It was a three tier of a personal, medical, and economic, and personal is kind of like a mentorship, big brother, big sister type deal. On the medical side, we wanted to help out VA disability benefits. If a vet was suffering with opiate, alcohol, or PTS, or all the above, um, we're able to get them to treatment centers free of charge where they can, you know, take a knee and, and recalibrate themselves. And then we were thinking on the third part, on the economic side, is finding the veteran a job, giving them that sense of purpose like they had in the military, and ultimately, that would lead to a more fulfilling life and hopefully divert them from making the decision that they might not be able to come back from. Um, but during the journey, you know, one of our uh, founders, Andy Myers, you know, we were just talking about, you know, alcohol and drinking and, you know, what was going on. And he just said, you know, I've, I've given up a, a fifth of Jack for a joint. And we all just kind of stopped and looked at him like, are you serious? And he's like, 
yeah, it's great. He's like, I'm not drinking and driving. I don't black out. I remember what happened the night before. And then he's like, and then I get up in the morning. I feel great, well-rested. And he's like, I'm actually getting really into cultivation where it's kind of helping me transition from a uh, warrior to a gardener. And that's when we said, okay, there's something here. Let's start unpacking this and see not only can we just be some group of veterans saying, hey, we use cannabis, it helps us, and so it should help you. But how can we really make an impact on a federal level and get more access to our veterans and make this more impactful? Um, and that's when we decided to go all in and kind of come up with Helmand Valley Growers Company. And when, what year was that approximately, or years? What were the yeah, early- approximately, I would say uh, really 2017, we went out, we uh, got our first license, um, everything was looking great, but the municipality just couldn't get power. So that kind of fell apart. Um, kind of bounced around and did some other things with trying to get licensed and raise capital. That was kind of difficult, but I would say really things caught on at uh, in June of 2019 when we linked up with our friends here at Platinum Vape and we told them they were already supporting Battle Brothers Foundation, but we told them about what we wanted to do with Helmet Valley Growers Company. And uh, George and Cody Sadler just said, hey, you guys get in this office, we're gonna back you guys and we're gonna make this happen. And uh, you know, here we are now today and we just locked up our like 18th dispensary. And uh, you know, we got our first sale February 2nd of 2020. So um, things are moving pretty quickly for us. Well, I might be able to get you another sale because I happen to be a an owner of an organic food supermarket in Palo Alto, and oh. uh, they said they sell uh, CBD products. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that afterwards. But that's I thought I would tell you that, that might be uh, something that uh, uh, our people in the, in the supermarket would really like to do. We need to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back to continue our discussion uh, with Brent. Buckley, he is uh, one of the co-founders of Helmet Valley Growers. We'll be right back. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, now, I know there are a gazillion strains of cannabis. How did you determine which strain would be best, shall we say, for, for the military people, for people coming back with problems? Yeah, so what we wanted to do was, you know, launch a recreational brand in order for us to, you know, bring in some of that revenue, as you mentioned before, that 100% of our profits would go back to Battle Brothers so we could fund our research. So when we went out, we just want to start with, with a vape line at first. And we actually talked to some veterans about what has been working for them, just kind of word of mouth. Like, we're not going to say anything medical or scientific backing up, but just things that people said have helped them. So we came up with, you know, we wanted to go with an indica, sativa, and a hybrid. So we came up with our uh, hybrid was Purple Trainwreck. Then we used sour diesel for uh, sativa, and then we used Afghanimal for indica. And we knew all three were going to be good, but I'll be honest, the one that is really kind of leading the fight that we're actually deep diving the certificate of analysis with our uh, Israeli partners has been Afghanimal. Um, we've given this out to veterans who suffer from post-traumatic stress, uh, veterans who are amputees, um, and kind of everything in between. And all the feedback has just been tremendous where, you know, really it shuts down the noise, kind of puts you in euphoric state. A couple of the veterans who are amputees said they'd lost their phantom pain. I mean, you're just hearing a lot of positive things and everyone was getting a great night of sleep from it. And that's when the Israeli uh, research firm that we work with, Niamedic, said, let us deep dive this and this might be part of our first study. Because um, the first study that we're getting into is more exploratory to try to discover what strains are having the most, the best impact with post-traumatic stress or the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And from there, we'll go back and manipulate genetics a little bit more and get ready for our second round of study. But kind of was just word of mouth for our recreational side. And that's what we've been doing with our, our next three cultivars that we launched. Same thing. And just been all getting really good feedback from it. And what are the the other products that you've launched? You said you have three different ones. Yeah. So, be... so we've done a, a Purple Kush and another Indica. Okay, um, I got we, Purple Kush. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We uh, also did Headband as another hybrid and then uh, Super Lemon Haze as a uh, sativa. And, you know, just great classic cultivars and, you know, getting back out in the market. People are really accepting them. And once again, getting really positive feedback. And it's just not from veterans. It's from a lot of people who you know, are suffering with post-traumatic stress. Cause I always tell everyone, I'm like, PTS is not a veteran issue. It's a human condition. And we're kind of using ourselves as veterans. You know, we look at Congress, like you guys sent us to war. Now it's your turn to fix us. And, you know, with that being said, we might be the ones who can actually push this thing on the federal side best. But once we do so, it's just not going to be a veteran thing. It's going to help out the entire cannabis community and all the patients around this country. 
That's that's wonderful. Now, so you've got the 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 the, the so-called vaping thing going. Uh, do you have uh, what other forms are you uh, you producing in terms of? Is there a cream? Uh, do you have lotions? Uh, yeah, tell we're us- gonna have all of the above. So we're about to launch a CBD THC one to one. We also are going to launch out a full CBD line here shortly. Um, and then also we're looking into edibles that we'll have out by the end of the summer. We're going to move into pre-rolls as well, uh, probably about early fall. And, uh, you know, we'll just have a full SKU line of all available products to hopefully meet the needs of everyone out there. And what are you calling the product? What is the name of the product? Well, simply the product, what we're using, I mean, obviously we use our title, the name, and then this is more of what is that cultivar and what it's doing. I mean, we're not doing anything special or trying to differentiate versus just uh, in terms of our brand. Now, when we do start the medical research side, we have the opportunity here to be one of the first brands that can actually provide uh, the population medically backed medical cannabis. I mean, where you have no Kenyan data to prove it. And that's something that we're going to call our Valor brand. Uh, in the military, when you uh, receive an award during combat operations, you get what they call the Combat V or the Valor uh, for heroism. And we kind of want to make that one stick out a little bit different that, hey, this recreational side is great for a good time. The med- medical side is just what it is. It's, it's strictly medicine. It'll be microdosing. And we're going to come out with that. That would be more likely in a tincture form. So we'll have a daytime a variant, a nighttime variant. And then one that we're going to call a quick reaction force, which would be through a vape pen, um, just in case the walls of the world are kind of closing in on you. Uh, you could take a couple hits of the vape pen, uh, hit the, your frontal lobe, and hopefully kind of calm things down for you. But that's kind of loosely what we're putting together right now. But what's exciting is this research really has never been done. We're, I think, going to be like the first private company in, in America to ever to be awarded a institutional review board. And, you know, you talk with Dr. Novak, who's leading our research, and he's like, we've never done this. So it's called practice in medicine. You know, he's like, there's going to be lots of left and right turns, but we're going to get there. Now, you, you've been talking uh, mostly, no, I shouldn't say this, but it sounds like it's more men than women. I know there, there are women uh, who have PTSD. Uh, what percent? What, what percentage of the of veterans uh, are are uh, shall we say, uh, uh, hooked on, on opiates. Can you give us some kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it, but uh, some kind of overview about what, what's happening with women, basically? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does seem like men are more uh, susceptible for post-traumatic stress and come at a little bit of a higher risk. Um, and But I mean, still it's not saying it's not having a huge impact on on women. I mean, we don't look at post-traumatic stress as like, okay, I saw something bad and now it's bothering me. Um, There really are stressors out there. And there's a lot of things like, you know, if you're, you know, sexual harassment is the form of post-traumatic stress, Uh, you know, imminent death, you know, there's a lot of different variables. So women are still dealing with that as well. Um, And kind of one of the things that was really alarming to us, what really kind of sparked us getting going and I, I didn't really look at the men and women side as kind of view veterans as just one group. But you looked at in 2016, I think there was about 67,000 veterans that the VA was treating for opiate addiction. So think about that for a minute. I mean, not only you got veterans maybe dealing with, you know, physical and mental injuries that they've suffered while in combat. Now you're adding on top of it an addiction to opiates. And it's just a, a recipe for complete disaster. 
And, you know, people are trying to make differences here. And one of the things that, you know, really kind of had an impact is when they really started trying to reduce the amount of opiates they were prescribing. But some of the vets were stopping cold, which is not a good thing. And then they were going out to the streets and they were trying to purchase something else in order to achieve that uh, the high or the euphoric state that they were getting from the opiates. And ultimately, bad things would happen there. So what percentage of the guys and girls out there are taking illegal opiates, would you say? Non-prescription. Do you have any yeah. idea about that? You know, there's not a, a firm number, um, but there's a lot. I mean, I remember, you know, I kind of compared it to, I was at, talking to a member of LA City Council and asked him how many illegal dispensaries you have in the city. And he goes, we have no idea, but there's more of them than there are Starbucks. And I kind of look at the same way with the veteran side, who knows? I mean, because you, you got a, a homeless problem with veterans. We see it a lot out here in, in Southern California. You don't know what they're doing on the streets. There's really no way to collect that data. Um, and just maybe in a very unsophisticated way, we just know there's a problem and we need to fix this. Good. Sounds like you're, you're doing that. Now, have you received any, uh, shall we say, pushback uh, from either some of your, your friends and let's say also the military? Have the mil anybody in the military uh, said, hey, you know, we're not going to back this. We don't like it, et cetera, et cetera. Any yeah. negatives? No, it was, you know, when I first told my mom what I was about to do, she asked me if I could get back in the Marine Corps. And I, I just said, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, definitely got some looks, I would say, from people uh, in the beginning when it was kind of more of a, a concept. Um, but what has been really fun is seeing, you know, that we're winning hearts and minds. Because, again, this wasn't like, all right, there's a green rush. Let's go make some money. We're trying to solve a problem. And, you know, we took the time to meet with members of Congress where I said, what do I have to do in order to get this into the VA medical system and make medical cannabis federally legal? And they're like, if you get data and you get American doctors, that's definitely a conversation that we can have because they're like the day of advocacy is over. Well, we did that with Niamedic and we're bringing in our American doctors and we're getting ready for an institutional review board. And, now you're starting to see some momentum and now people are like, man, you guys, you're, you're doing it right. I mean, you know, and I told them back when we started this, if we start this any later, we might miss it. And I think right now we're in a perfect spot. And to kind of capitalize on where I think the military mindset's kind of going is we were just put into a magazine called Homeland, which they sell on military bases. And it's the first time that they ever allowed not just a medical cannabis ad, but an editorial on base. And that, that was us. So we're already kind of having that impact um, with people where they think that we're doing the right thing. I mean, there could be a lot of benefits here, especially for the military in the future. Oh, that's interesting. Now, are you working with any veterans organizations? Well, I mean, obviously, we're tied in with our nonprofit Battle Brothers Foundation. Um, we are talking with some other nonprofits and some well-known universities have reached out to us. Um, just trying to get more of a feel of what we're doing. And I think once we get approved the uh, Institutional Review Board, we can go public with it and provide people to study and what we're about to accomplish and to show that it's very real. And I think we might get some more support from some people, too. So a lot on the uh, on the horizon. And, uh, you know, we'll have to have a follow up call and uh, we can go over that. <laughs> oh, definitely. We'll have a follow up call. <laughs> uh, folks, we need to take a commercial break. We will be right back to continue our discussion with Brian Buckley. He's one of the founders of Helmand Valley Growers. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. 
Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society, only on CannabisRadio.com. Folks, we've been talking to, I got to say, a marvelous guy. At least I think he's marvelous. His name is Brian Buckley. He's a, uh, a veteran. And um, he and uh, two of his other, shall we say, colleagues are the founders of Helmet Valley Growers. Now, um, I wanted to ask you, you got involved with this Israeli company. I know they're, they have, they're based in, in uh, Southern California. And uh, how, did, how did that whole relationship come about? Because I know that uh, the Israelis uh, have been in the forefront. The so-called godfather of, of uh, cannabis is uh, uh, an Israeli. How did that all come about? Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I always tell people about not making a comfort-based decision because you don't know what that you missed out on. And I was invited to a UCLA cannabis symposium uh, one evening and I was just up in LA all day running around trying to make things happen. And my bed was sounding really good. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to this, go there. I'm listening to Dr. Jeffrey Chen speak. We take a break. I go out to the lounge, grab a coffee and I meet a guy named Alan Blatt who is running a Niamedic USA. And I just told him about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to prove this to uh, Congress and to uh, our uh, political officials that this is a viable option. He fell in love with it. And we've been working together ever since about in 2017 uh, to get to this point. Um, and it's just not a great partnership, but a, a, an amazing friendship. Um, you know, Alan himself served in the Israeli defense force and we can share a lot of stories and, uh, you know, he's just as passionate about this as we are. So it's been a just a great team. And he's really made some uh, amazing things happen for us and put together a great research team that I think is going to really blow the doors off uh, a lot of people in America. Well, that sounds good. And have you had a chance to go to Israel and, and, and see that they're growing in, in Israel? 
Have not they invited yet. you yet? <laughs> they have, and we have not made it out there yet, but we uh, we definitely plan to in the near future. I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, I have a family in, in Israel, and so I go there quite often. But wow. my brother hasn't taken me yet to any <laughs> cannabis companies. But maybe <laughs> next time I go, we I, we can do that. Yes. Um, so um, do you see that you're going to expand to... Uh, other states? Is this yeah. going to become a national launch? And how are you going to do that? Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're really doing this off the backs of uh, Platinum Vape, who uh, brought us in here and got us started in California. Um, you know, they also operate in Michigan, Oklahoma, Arizona, and soon to be in Nevada. Um, so right now, we literally just had a meeting exploring some um, other areas that we're looking at. And, uh, you know, it could be happening here by, you know, Q3, Q4. Uh, we might go multi-states. So we're just kind of putting some things together. But uh, the ultimate goal is to make this thing a national brand. And like I said, hopefully make this thing federally legal on the medical side. And we can go to all, all, every patient throughout all 50 states. Now, do you think you'll actually at some point be able to sell on, on various uh, bases, whether it's marine or uh, naval or whatever? Do you have those dreams yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there, in time we're going to be able to prove some things here that there are some benefits. I mean, you know, we were talking with the Israelis about it and what medical cannabis can do for brain swelling. And we talked about players in the NFL, like as soon as they're deemed concussed, the best thing for them is to start using cannabis because it will reduce brain swelling. And we're facing a lot of a, kind of a similar situation in the military. Uh, the NFL calls it CTE, we call it TBI, like traumatic brain injury that you know, from all the blast waves and everything that we absorb, guys are getting concussed and having some issues with that. And we started saying, hey, if things are eventually get down the line, you can start proving it. And they start seeing maybe the benefits for veterans. Maybe they might take a look at what it could do for the active duty forces because the Israelis are already doing it with their Israeli defense forces that they're finding that they can actually limit PTS by doing a medical cannabis treatment right after a traumatic event where it won't manifest as long. That's interesting. Now, how are you, the three of you who are in charge, how are you dividing up uh, your, your activities? Is, is, is one just, you know, working on, on, on bringing in some money or what is happening between the three of you? And I'm sorry that we weren't able to have your, your two associates on with you, although you are terrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, Matt Kern, um, well, first off, we all served as Raiders together. So we all just had a friendship and a bond that just can't be broken. Um, but Matt runs more as our chief operating officer. So he makes sure we're all uh, doing what we need to be doing and, you know, not deviating from the plan too much and kind of corralling the cats, if you will. Uh, Andy is our lead cultivator. So he runs our cultivation side and I serve as the CEO and president of the company. Um, and that's kind of how we can break this thing down. So we're pretty much a skeleton crew. Uh, I would say we all have uh, many, many collateral duties. Um, but we're expanding. We're, we just hired a couple more veterans to come on to our, uh, the team to work in sales. And, you know, as we kind of go in business and we start getting more uh, market uh, share, the more money we have, more people we can bring in and keep the expansion plan going. Now, in terms of cultivation, where uh, is your property located? And um, give us some, some details about all that. I'm really interested in that. Yeah, we're doing a majority of everything down here in the uh, San Diego area. So we're actually kind of in this close near Miramar uh, Air Base. Um, and then we're looking at a, another cultivation site up in the Lake Elsinore area, um, which we would do there. Because um, the big thing that we need to do on our second uh, study that we do is we need to control everything from seed to the final product. Because um, that's going to literally be 
the new genetics that we start discovering from the first one. Um, so we're just kind of getting all that put together right now. And uh, that should be operational here uh, in the very near future as well. Now, how did you guys learn about how to do cultivation? Yeah, it was funny. It was with Andy. Um, he was actually um, asked by a couple of, of growers to set up a security plan around their farm. And so he did it. And then they said, okay, how, how much do you want? And he goes, why don't you just teach me what you do? He's like, I'm really interested in the plant. And they're like, you don't want money? He goes, no, just give me an apprenticeship and I'll learn. And uh, they brought, took him under his wings and he just became obsessed with it. I mean, right now he's literally getting a sustained agriculture degree because he just wants to get better and better at it. So he took it on and then through his network, he just started meeting more guys and some veterans that he brought onto his team. And that's really how the whole cultivation side of this thing got going. Now, I don't know much about cultivation. I mean, I was a kid, you know, I, I planted tomatoes and carrots mm -hmm. and things like that. What happens like with uh, pest control? How do you handle that? Yeah, or, I mean, aren't there any pests for when it comes to cannabis? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's great. Like, uh, we'll definitely have Andy could probably do a whole uh, hour long show on that for you. But um, really, to me, it comes down to like doing your due diligence and taking care of your plant. I mean, you know, I see how Andy is if we're out and he's in the middle of a grow. He's constantly looking at his phone, making sure the temperature, everything is still good. And he's like, you know, plants are like your kids. When you're not there, you're kind of worried. Is everything all right with them? Uh, but he'll spend hours and hours and hours just making sure there's no, no infestation, nothing pest, nothing like that, and making sure he just grows, you know, what is called organic or, or clean green. But uh, Andy does it all natural. And it's just, you know, when you try the product, you know, uh, you know definitely where all the hard work came from. And you definitely taste it at the end. Now, I assume that at some point prior to this, was he growing his own? So he had a head start as to know, to know what yeah. to do? Yeah, absolutely. So he was doing a lot of uh, the 215 uh, era, Prop 215 era grows with people in the collectives. Um, and then he's worked on, uh, you know, everything after that. He started just going legal. Um, you know, he'll do his, you know, what he can do as a home grow, he'll do that as well. Um, but, you know, this, he hasn't done a grow in a, probably about, about six months, but that was just due to him being in school and he's about to, you know, get the plans done with Lake Elsinore and get that going here uh, this summer. Now, th this is kind of a final question. What do you see uh, the future is in terms of cannabis? I know that there have been a number of uh, companies that have actually gone under. Uh, some of them have uh, terrible problems. Um, and, and of course, there's a lot of competition and more and more people saying, oh, I want to get into this and you know, do a startup, et cetera, et cetera. What, what do you see will, will be happening, let's say, not five years from now, but let's say three years from now? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And that's, uh, we're really in an interesting year right now where I think you're seeing some of the traditional uh, big players are running into some issues due to financial. Um, I kind of look at things like with cannabis um, not being federally legal, everyone tried to jump in like, the dot-com boom and we're throwing money at it, but you got to look like what you grow in California, you can only sell in California and so on and so on. And it's a much smaller sandbox. And I think people realize that we're all we're playing in and maybe people did some things with money and maybe they paid their headshed too much. I don't know, whatever it may be, but you got a lot of investors who are getting upset because they haven't seen a dividend payout. I think you're going to see some people kind of get knocked out over this next year. And then I think you're going to see some of the, you know, people that will kind of rise from this, moment and uh i think excel because as things open up more on the federal side i think that is going to be time to take in those investments 
and where you can really expand and go nationwide. But I think people just kind of jumped in it too soon, not realizing how difficult it was going to be um, with in regards to all the regulations. And to your point now, yeah, the barrier of entry is really tough and is really high and you need to go raise a lot of money uh, unless you fall into a fortunate situation like we did here with Platinum Vape. But um, I think this year is going to be really interesting. And like I said, I think you're going to see some big players that were common names might not make it out of this year or next year. Um, but like I said, as it goes more federal, I think that's the time that this thing will really expand and really become what it can, uh, the potential it can be. Now, are you interested in having any uh, more investors uh, join I'm your always company? interested in talking to people, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think uh, we're, we're going to be winding down right now. Um, I'd, can you give us your, your website uh, yeah, so, so you that can everyone can, can know more about you? Absolutely. You can go on our website at uh, www.hvgcompany.com. And if you want to learn more about Batter Brothers, you can go to batterbrothersfoundation.org. And uh, we just appreciate everyone's support. And it was a really tremendous time uh, having a chance to speak with you this morning. Well, it's been wonderful uh, speaking with you. And after the show, I'd like to get some details from you so we can further further talk. And um, all I can say to you is uh, it sounds like you're going to have uh, really good luck. And I think it's wonderful uh, that people, our listeners, know that there is the company out there that really, um, shall we say, cares about people and cares about people who have done so much for uh, the country and the world in terms of, of, of helping people, especially the veterans who have PTSD. So I, I thank you personally for, for what you and your, and your associates have, have done. And uh, I wish you good luck. Well, that means and a lot. Thank, thank you, you very much. much for being on. And um, we'll have you on again in maybe six months or something like that. But okay. stay around so that we can talk. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners uh, who uh, have been wonderful. We've been getting some really nice comments. And thank you very much. And if any of you have any ideas of people that you would like to have on our radio show, uh, please, uh, we'd love to hear from that. And so. Thank you again. And meanwhile, you can stay in touch with us on, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn by going to High Society with Paxton Quigley. And I want to say that until next week, please stay healthy, stay balanced. I'm Paxton Quigley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.